0: a new series today called Seeing as God Sees. Seeing as God Sees. How many would say that seeing is important? Your vision is important. It's God's will for you to have twenty-twenty vision. Did you know that? Even under the Mosaic Covenant, you know, in the Old Testament, people often think of the Old Testament as everything from Genesis to Malachi, but that's really not the Old Testament. For the Old Testament, uh, excuse me, Genesis to Malachi covers a period of about 4,000 years. What, what's been labeled the Old Testament is really the Mosaic Covenant. Which started on Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments and the Levitical priesthood and the system of worship. But that didn't come into effect until about 2,500 years after God made man. The Abraham co- Abrahamic covenant came 400 some years before the Mosaic covenant. So out of the 4,000 years, only about 1,400 some years of that towards the end were the Mosaic covenant. Isn't that interesting? Right? So even under the Mosaic Covenant, which was the weakest of all covenants in the Bible. Weaker than the Abrahamic Covenant. Why? Because the Abrahamic Covenant was of faith. We okay? He's the father of our faith. Moses is not the father of our faith. Mount Sinai was a hard place. Their hearts were hard. So hard they didn't even want to hear from God. They said, just you you go you go talk to him. We'd rather look at stones than hear him. Right, right. We'd rather go to a Rolling Stones concert than listen to God. <laughs> no, the Rolling Stones weren't on Mount Sinai. It was stone tablets, tablets of stone. And that's what kind of covenant was. It was hard. That's right. It wasn't of faith. People are really having a hard time with what I'm saying, I think. <laughs> you study the Scriptures and study it through the light of Christ, and you read the epistles, and you'll see that the Mosaic Covenant was the weakest of all covenants that God made with man. It had to be done because of the hardness of man's heart so that man's eyes would be open to our need for Jesus Christ, for a Savior. That was the purpose of it, was to point us into relationship with a living Christ. But guess what? He's come. Right? We're not Mosians. We're Christians. Right? We follow Christ. Why would I bring that up? Because under the weakest covenant, Moses, the leader of Israel, at the age of 120, his eyes were not dim. Why? Because your vision is important to God. We use our vision both naturally and spiritually for direction, right? To not only see where we're going, but to see where we've been and know where we're going to. Our sight reminds us of where we've been and, and inspires us to go where we've never been before. Your sight is important. Our sight uh, gives us the ability to identify others and identify ourselves and identify what's what's fresh and what's rotten. Have you ever gone to bite into an apple and on one side it looks good and you turn it around and uh uh-oh, right? Big fat something sticking out of it or it's brown or, right? Right? Or you bite into it, it's not crispy like you thought, it's brown on the inside. I don't keep it, I spit it out. I want something fresh and ripe, not rotten, right? Our eyes give us discernment, right? To be able to see and understand uh, what is possible and what's not possible. We used to like to hike in the woods when I was a kid. We called it trailblazing. And sometimes we come in the woods to an area we hadn't been before and there was a crevice. And we had to use our eyes to decide, can we clear that crevice? Then we'd back up. <laughs> we'd decide, yeah, we can do it. Then we'd take as many steps and we'd leap over it. We're using our eyes to discern what was possible. With God, all things are possible. You see, God is pure light. In order to see, you have to be able to receive light and reflect light. That's what happens in our eyes. Our eyes receive light and reflect it. If either one of those two processes gets buggered up, you don't see clearly. Now, God is, is light. He's never received light. He is light. He has no source He's pure love. He's pure light. He's pure life. There's no darkness with him. So he radiates continual light. We are the receivers and reflectors of his light. Right? The more we receive from him, the more we reflect from, of him. And the more clearly we see the direction that we're going, the more clearly we understand what we've been brought out of and where we're going to the clearer our identity becomes. The more clearer we see others. We don't see others according to the flesh anymore. We see each other in Christ. And the greater our discernment becomes. And we know what's possible. We know that through Him we can do all things. Seeing as God sees. (laughs) God made man in His very image, powerful. Now, why did God make man in his image? Because God is love, and he's a good father, and he made us as his sons and daughters to have a relationship with us. And a part of that relationship is reflecting him in this world we're living in. That we would radiate with his nature, with his love and life and liberty, his joy and his peace and his strength everywhere we go, just like Jesus did. That's That's a part of our relationship with him. Do you know that we were originally made to see as God sees, to hear as God hears, to touch as God touches? to taste and to smell as God smells. The five natural senses came about from the five spiritual senses. In the book of Hebrews, we learn that everything in this material realm, everything that was seen, came from what is unseen. So your natural senses are a reflection of your spiritual senses. Your spirit has the ability to touch, to taste, to smell and and detect atmospheres, to hear and to see. Now, God's senses are perfect. He has perfect sight, perfect vision. He always sees everything. He always hears everything. Well, let me keep going. It's important as followers of God, as, as his offspring, as his sons and daughters, that we renew our minds to the majesty of the one we're born of. He's perfect in all his ways. He didn't grow into that perfection. He didn't achieve it over time by practicing. He never began. He has no beginning. And you know from last week, he's never Googled, right? (laughs) He's never studied anything. Before any book was written, he knew every word in it. He knows all of the bestsellers in 2027, 2027. Let's look at the amazingness of our God. Let's go to Job 28, verse 24. Speaking of God, it says, For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. That's pretty amazing. I mean, anyone use Google Earth? I think it's pretty cool. I remember when it came out. I mean, this is fun. You know, you pick a spot on the earth and then you go from outer space and zoom into it. and you can, Now you can see the streets and a lot of places and the buildings. God sees the ends of the earth and everything under the heavens all at once. You ever see those Google vehicles driving around with those spinning cameras on the top? And if you have a vehicle that has a screen in it, you've got cameras all around your vehicle. We're always trying to improve our vision, right? We're, and, and with technology, we're trying to see things and angles and perspectives that we couldn't see before. God sees every perspective and every angle and every dimension all at the same time. In First Chronicles 28, verse 9, says this, and you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. Not only does God see everything in the material realm, he sees everything in the spiritual realm. Think of this the one we're born of sees every thought of every human being every moment of every day without trying. He doesn't have to go. I missed one. He's pure light, nothing's hidden from him. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. When you know how good God is, it is a great comfort to know the vision that he sees with. Yes. Psalm 53 verse 2 says, God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand who seek God. He sees our understanding and he is gracious. Yes. Yes. Psalm 139 starting in verse 1 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Isn't he awesome? You hem me in behind and before. You go before me and lay your hand upon me. Verse 16 says your eyes saw my unformed substance. That's impossible. No, that's God. He sees the unseen. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. <laughs> The New International Version says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's clear vision. God wants you to see like he sees. He wants you to have a clear vision of your now and your future, a clear vision of your life. And I want you to know that your vision needs improvement. And mine does too. If you think you can accomplish the vision you have for your life, it's not God's vision. Because His vision is beyond what you've dreamed of, asked, or imagined. It's exceedingly, abundantly above and beyond. Now, are you ready? Are you awake? I forgot to ask you that. I was just assuming. You know, and, and it's, it's important when you read the Bible to, you know, I, I love studying Scripture and I, I love getting into the original languages of Greek and Hebrew or the Aramaic or, uh, you know, whatever text it might be. But the best way to read the Bible Spirit, the Bible text, to read your hard copy Bible or any digital version is to read the Bible in the Holy Spirit. to let the Holy Spirit reveal God to you as you read the Scriptures. That's right. You don't have to know any Greek or Hebrew. That's right. They knew a bunch of Hebrew, the Pharisees who persecuted Jesus. Right? They spoke it fluently. They were experts in Hebrew. And God was standing right in front of them, and they couldn't recognize Him. Yeah. 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 We need the Holy Spirit. Why am I saying that? Because I'm giving you revelation. You get revelation when we gather, not information. In other words, revelation is simply when the Holy Spirit reveals to you God and the dimensions of God, the abilities of God. Revelation is when the Holy Spirit reveals to you who God is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Those are the three things we focus on here at Highway, right? Who He is, what He's done for us, and who we are in Him. So I'm going to give you some more revelation. Are you ready? you got to listen with your heart. Why are God's five senses perfect? Because His beliefs are perfect. His beliefs are perfect. He's pure light. He's never once entertained an evil thought. Never once. He can't be tempted by evil. Now, Jesus as a man could be. He was tempted in all ways as a man. We're talking about God the Father now, all right? Stay with me. God lives By his beliefs. You okay? Keep listening. The depth, the potency, the accuracy, the scope, the effectiveness of our senses is determined by our beliefs. Both physically and spiritually. Let me say that again. The effectiveness, the depth of our senses, the scope of our senses is determined by our beliefs. Let me say it this way what we believe determines. What we see. This is why con men are so good at presenting an image to you that you'll trust. What are they trying to do? To get you believe to believe in what they're saying. Because when you believe it, you'll act on it. Right? So what we believe determines what we see. What we choose to meditate on each day determines how clearly we see. Can we put Hebrews 11.1 1 up there? What we believe determines what we see, but it's what we meditate on, it's the thoughts we choose to give credence to, that determine how clearly we see God and everything else. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the NIV says it this way, Now faith is being sure of who God is, what He's done for us, and who we are in Him. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I want to emphasize those two words, sure and certain. That's real faith. That's God's faith. That's Bible faith. Sure and certain. Religious faith, man's definition of faith is really uh, like wishing upon a star and hoping that somehow it's going to happen. That's not Bible faith. There's only one thing that can give us this perfect confidence. It's the love of the Father for us it's knowing how much he loves us it's knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that he is 100% for you now nothing else can give you this Bible faith. that's why John 3 16 is so important God loved you so much he gave his one and only son now you put that with Romans 8 Uh, 28, because we know that He gave His Son, now we know that He'll gladly give us everything else. So I don't ever have to timidly come before God again, wondering if He'll give it to me, if I'm asking for too much. In fact, I haven't found one example in the ministry of Jesus where He rebuked His disciples for asking for too much. The rebukes, I find, are on the opposite, where he rebuked them for not believing or believing too little. You can't ask God for too much. He's God. You're too much. He hasn't even got started yet when you think it's too much. He hasn't even got up out of his chair yet. When we become sure and certain of him, in our lives we begin to see him. How do we become sure and certain of him? We believe what he said. We learn what he said in our hard copy Bibles, right? You got your hard copy Bible, right? It's good to have your digital versions on your phones and tablets and computers. But man, get yourself your hard copy Bible and go through this thing and meditate on what he said, right? Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I go unto the Father. Where's that at in your hard copy Bible? Do you know? Who said it? Pontius Pilate? No. Jesus, right? John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. You've got to know what he said. When you start meditating on what he said, you become sure and certain of God's nature and his love for you. Faith comes by hearing what he said. Out of the overflow of God's heart, his mouth speaks. When, you're, when he's speaking, he's revealing his heart to you, and faith comes when you hear it. Now, even though we were made in the image of God, we fell from that, didn't we? Come on, we all fell from it, right? Our senses were given to us spiritually and physically to know God, to be His ambassadors in the earth. But when Satan wanted to destroy God's children, he appealed to God's children's senses. We're going to look at that. Let's go back to Genesis. Genesis. He appealed to man's senses. Why? To get man's eyes and thought life off of God the Father onto darkness. To move man from light into darkness. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. And let's look at this. we still awake. I'm just assuming. I just want to chat. We're still awake. We need more food, right? We need hot, fresh Jesus today. That's why we left our homes and came to this warehouse to get more fresh, hot bread of life, right? Genesis chapter 3. So Satan, he knows how we're made. He knew we're made in the image of God. He knew we could see like God see. Right? He knew that, that we were God's offspring, that we had authority over him, that we had authority over the earth. Now, when man chose To listen to Satan, to believe Satan, he was yielding his senses to Satan. He was giving, he was putting his sentence, his senses under the authority of darkness. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, he being the serpent, that being Satan, Yea, hath God said. See, Satan knows how we work. Life was meant to be lived by receiving what God says. So the only way that Satan can get into your life is to get you to question, to doubt what God has said to you. That's the only way he can get access to your life. That's why there's so much doubt. denominational division and and squabble over silly things. Christianity is very simple. Just believe Jesus. Everything he said and did, it's true. Just believe it and do it. It's just that simple. We don't need any of this squabble, right? That's all darkness, darkness and it's it's a trap. Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He's a con man, isn't he? What's he doing? He's just getting the wheels turning. Yeah, that's right. He's just getting the wheels turning, and he's doing it so cleverly. He just doesn't come right in and say, I'm the fallen angel, Lucifer, and now my name's Satan, and I want to steal the dominion over the earth from you, so I need you to take a bite of that fruit. No, he's a con man. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it. So she's already drifted from what God has said. You don't want to drift an inch from what he said. Don't let Satan budge you an inch from what he said. God did not say that. He didn't say you should not touch it. He just said you should not eat of it lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. So he gets the wheels turning, but his his goal is to contradict what the father said to you. He'll do that often with symptoms. He'll present symptoms unto you. And then just to get, what could that be? Or better yet, why don't you go research it online and find out, right? And then what he'll tell you is you've got that. See, first he gets the wheels turning. Then he's that's in direct contradiction what, what Christ did for you. The Word of God, God has already spoken that you're healed. Don't move an inch from that for anybody at any time for any reason. You meditate on what He said. And you don't let anyone move you off of that. You shall not surely die. You're lying. Verse 5. For God does know... That in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall see, excuse me, you shall be, how about that? You shall be as gods knowing good and evil. So now he's, he's tearing apart the character of God, right? You can't trust him. He's been lying to you all along. He's afraid that you're going to take his throne because that's what Satan was after, right? And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleased, pleasant to the eyes, what, so what's she using? Yeah, her senses. Why is she using her? Why is she, what's wrong with her senses now? They're under the authority of darkness. She's been listening to darkness. She can't see clearly now. See, when you listen to dark thoughts, when you listen to thoughts that are even mildly contrary to what God has said, it dims your vision. You're not seeing the same. When I believe what God said as he said it, my eyes are open and I see things I could not see before and I'm able to do things I could not do before. And Satan knows that. That's why he's after the word of God in your life. That's why he doesn't want you to come to a church like this. He wants you to come and do your, you know, your, your bowing and your, your, your necklace praying and your candles, whatever you got to do in your religious tradition. He doesn't want you to get fresh hot Jesus. Because when you know God said it and that he's for you 100%, Satan can't stop you and he has no access in your life. You need to say what Jesus said, Satan has nothing in me. Why did Jesus say that? Because he took his father at his word. He wouldn't let anyone, including Satan, move him from what his dad had said. So now man's senses are are dimmed. And she's trying to discern with her dimmed senses. And she looks at the fruit and she's she's making a, a decision that it's good to eat, which is contrary to what God said. And that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree that to be desired to make one wise. Now she's coming to all kinds of conclusions based on these dark thoughts that were introduced to her. And all these conclusions are wrong. That's right. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of dark conclusions on social media and online. Way more than there is good conclusions. <laughs> she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also under her husband with her and he did eat I think the original sin was was not the eating but was it was not silencing the enemy not exercising the authority over the enemy that God gave them and the eyes of them were both open that's not in this interesting statement and they knew what and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons what does that mean their eyes were open let me read it to you uh, let's pull up the New Living Translation. New Living Translation says, At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. The Living Bible says it this way. And as they ate it, suddenly they became aware of their nakedness and were embarrassed. Wow. In other words, Their vision changed when they believed darkness. Their vision changed. It didn't improve. It got worse, much worse. All right? Listen to me. You will see yourself through the eyes of the one you believe. Doesn't matter who it is could be a, a, an abusive parent, right. and that's how you'll see yourself, and that's why uh, people who've gone through difficult upbringings and sometimes have a hard, a, a challenging uh, view of themselves, they have to renew their minds, and I'm one of them. <laughs> i I had to renew my mind, I'm still renewing it to who I am in Christ. You'll see yourself through the eyes of the one you trust. Man. They chose to believe Satan. They were now seeing themselves as Satan saw them. Satan's the accuser, the condemner. That's where shame comes from. Right? Right? They could only see through the eyes of their sin now. Verse 8 says, they heard the voice of the Lord God. Now remember, this amazing God we serve in his presence is fullness of joy. Right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You hear his voice, you want to shout, right? It's the most inviting sound you'll ever know. They hear the voice of the Lord, fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. Walking in the garden, what was he doing? He wanted to to bless them. He wanted to fellowship with them in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from fullness of joy, from pleasures forevermore. Does that make any sense? No, it doesn't. Darkness doesn't make any sense when you look at it in the light of who he is. There was no reason for them to hide themselves, right? Pure light is coming. Pure light, pure life, pure love, pleasures forevermore, the goodness of God. He's looking for them, to love them. He wasn't going to forsake them. He wouldn't have turned their back on them. Hmm. Just listening on the inside. Now, well let's move we're gonna move on from Genesis. You know, when God did talk to them, ready to have a relationship with them, they still hid and Adam denied what they did. And he blamed it on God and he blamed it on his wife. What would have happened if he would have just said, you know what, we messed up. We listened to the enemy. I think it would have been a whole different story if he would have just been honest. Just tell the truth. You ever watch I Love Lucy? How many people have seen I Love Lucy? With Lucy, Lucille Ball and Ricky Ricardo. She gets herself into so much trouble because she just doesn't tell the truth. Lucy! Don't be Lucy, right? Just tell the truth. (laughs) <laughs> now, though the first Adam fell, the last Adam did not. Christ came so that we could be made new, reborn, and begin seeing as our Father sees again. And he did a perfect job. When you put your faith in Christ, your shame, your fallenness is gone forever you go from a sinner to a saint immediately you become the righteousness of god in christ jesus immediately immediately in fact god made jesus your sin on that cross so that through faith in him you would immediately become his righteousness hallelujah So through the finished work of Christ, the Father made a way for all of mankind to be reborn, to begin living as we were originally created, seeing things as God sees. Let's look at what Jesus said as he announced his ministry in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 let me get there. I'm almost there. 5, 4, verse 18. Now, this is Jesus. He hasn't begun his ministry yet. He's doing what he did regularly, weekly in the temple. He's standing up, reading. But this time he asks for the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads it as, as the fulfillment of it. And this is when everything changes. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is up on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. You don't have to be poor anymore, that Christ became poor, that you would be rich. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of Sight to the blind. Jesus came to restore your vision, naturally and spiritually. He came to give you God's original vision for your life so that you could see yourself as God sees you, more than a conqueror, Heaven's champion, God's son. God's daughter who treads upon lions and cobras, who crushes fierce lions and serpents under your feet. And in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Jesus is talking to a religious expert, to a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is, comes to Jesus by night, and he says unto him, Rabbi, or teacher, master, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God was with him. Why did he come to him in the dark then? What was he afraid of? Well, He wasn't very convinced of the deity of Christ, was he? Yeah, he was afraid of man, Right? You can't fear God and fear man at the same time. It doesn't work. Fear of God moves you forward. Fear of man traps you. What is the fear of God? It's this awesome reverence for who he is for what he's done that lifts me up and moves me forward into a whole new realm of living. What is the fear of man? It's, it, it's a bondage that keeps me from being myself because I'm afraid of what others might think of me. And it can get so bad that you actually structure your life based on what you think others think about you. And the devil gets involved in that, doesn't he? He'll tell you what others think about you. Whether they do or not, who cares anyway? Who cares what anybody thinks about you? Are their thoughts that powerful? The only thoughts you need to know are the thoughts of your father towards you. And I'm telling you, those thoughts will make you whole and set you free and bring you to a place beyond what you've dreamed of. Jesus! So light is talking to Nicodemus, even though he came at nighttime. And he's saying, you know, we know, we've watched you do what you do, and no man can do these miracles except you come from God. And Jesus isn't distracted. By this conversation, he looks right at me, he says, verily, verily, or most solemnly, I tell you and I assure you that except a man be born again, he cannot see. You can't see if you're not born again. You can't. Yes, Yes, I can't. No, you can't. Yes, I can't. No, you can't. Yes, I can't. No, you can't. You can't see if you're not born again. So you better get born again, right? The Amplified says it this way in uh, verse 3. Jesus answered him, I assure you. What is faith? Being sure and certain. When you listen to Jesus, you become sure and certain. When you listen to man's religious philosophies, you become unsure and uncertain. So you can tell who someone's been listening to by how sure they are. I assure you, God will always assure you. He will always comfort and strengthen you. No matter how bad you think you've blown it. Come to him, run to him, and get the assurance you need to rise up again. I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, that unless a person is born again anew from above, he cannot ever see. Wow. Lots of blind folks walking around, right? Who are not born again and think they can see. What what does see mean? It means to know, to be acquainted with, to experience the kingdom of God. Seeing as God sees. What are we talking about? Experiencing the abundant life He came to give you. To see is to become aware of. It's to discern. It's to understand. It's to experience. It's to witness. It's to identify. It's to recognize. Jesus is saying until your spirit is made new by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can not experience the kingdom of God. He's not talking about going to heaven. That's what man's religion has turned this scripture into. If you believe in Jesus, you'll go to heaven one day. Then in the meantime, you're just going to have to put up with all the junk that Satan brings you away. That's not what Jesus was talking about at all. Our eternal life is oneness with the Father. John 17, 3. This is eternal life that they might know you. Intimacy with God is eternal life. Going to heaven, heaven, heaven as your home is, is a part of that. That's where you're from. Once you become born again, heaven becomes your home. But it's about experiencing God now. God wants you to experience his power and presence and joy today, right now, right here. And it comes by believing what he said. So vision is the ability to... (laughs) To think about and plan the future with heaven's accuracy. This is the kind of, when God sees the future, he sees it accurately. No hype. Just heaven. Trade your hype for heaven. (laughs) Maybe I should have called this series that. Trade your hype for heaven. (laughs) Woo! God wants you to see and plan for your future with his imagination. That's what our imagination is. We have the ability to create images on the inside of us that don't exist outside of us. And as we stay with it, those images inside of us begin to show up on the outside of us. You know, I was just talking this week I first began to understand divine health in 1996, and I grew up very, very sick with all kinds of issues in a medical family. But when I learned that Jesus was the will of God, that I could study Jesus, and by studying Him, I'm studying the will of God, I saw and God opened my eyes that it was His will for me to be well, and I be- an assurance began to grow in me way back in the summer of 1996. And it took, I don't know, maybe four to six months of really studying Jesus for me to become really sure that I was healed. Yeah. And, and it, it was a progress. For some, it's not. For me, it was a process. You know, some maybe grab it in a day. For me, it just took time. I had to, to get rid of all the previous conclusions I had yeah. about my body and, and what they say I had and all those other things and symptoms and on and on and on. But when I became convinced that what Jesus said was the truth, the will of God, I remember it clicking in me, and I said, I'm healed. I didn't feel healed, and I didn't look healed, but I knew I was healed. And so many of the things that I've, and I've been walking in divine health ever since, no taking nothing, but feeding on the Word of God. And now, how many years ago was that? Twenty-five? I don't know. 25 years ago, almost 25 this summer, I went from, you know, having to take my, my, carry my little bag of stuff with me and, to nothing, just fresh hot Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's liberty right there, boy. But you become convinced by listening. But the reason I bring that up, there, there were several times on that journey where the image I had inside of myself, I didn't look like that. <laughs> there are all kinds of symptoms. I looked like someone who needed help. You know, someone maybe needed to be connected to an IV or a respirator or something. But inside, I had a different image. I knew I was healed. And when you see yourself as God sees you, nothing can stop it from coming to the outside. Nothing. No one. So this is where it's at, seeing as God sees. And the way to see as God sees is by taking Him at his word and not allowing anyone to move you off of that. That's right. The word of God gives us perfect vision. Hallelujah. But I want you to know there are sometimes, and it, again, it's different with everybody. There are times, uh, I was sure, I said, you know, there are times where Satan would be coming at me with something of some sickness and it would just go immediately. Right. Just like that. There are other times I had to stand. I had to declare who I was in Christ. I'd have to get up, start worshiping God and praising Him, say, thank you, Father, your word is truth in my life. I thank you that I am your healed child. I'm your son. I'm born of you, that no sickness will come near my dwelling, that this is your temple, that I'm healed and I'm whole. And I had to do that sometimes over a period of days or weeks. I'm not saying you have to do that. The only point I'm trying to get over to you is there when you get the image inside of you it will come to the surface sometimes it's not immediate but it'll come guaranteed it'll come because once it's in here it's got to come out here so this is what we're going to do in the days ahead. After, well, next week, we're going to hear from Brother Ross, and we're going to continue this series, Seeing as God Sees, as this is a year of transformation, as we've said repeatedly. And, the, and this transformation is leading us into a transition, but we're going to need to see ourselves individually and corporately as God sees us by taking Him at His word. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Okay, last scripture, and we're closed. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven God's vision for your life. Are you ready? For I know the plans I have for you. Remember, this is the one who sees everything all the time at once—the ends of the earth, every thought that people are having. He sees your twenty twenty two. He sees you on September third in twenty twenty one. He sees you on January fifth, twenty twenty five. He knows what you're going to have for lunch. I know I'm having meatballs today, baby. Woo! Thank you, Jennifer, for making those meatballs. (laughs) For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to just get by. Don't you ever listen to that garbage, that religious garbage. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you confidence. That's what the Bible hope is here. Hope in a future. The Living Translation says, I have plans, my plans for you are plans for good, not for evil. The New Living Translation says for good, not for disaster. The New American Standard says plans for welfare and not for calamity. Can I, can I, can I break down this word, welfare? For, did you get that? Good. All right, let's move on. Plans for welfare. Now we might know welfare as a government system, but that's not what this word means. All right? I'm gonna give you this and we're done. The definition of God's prosperity of this word welfare, are you ready? Health, happiness, general well-being and prosperity. What does the word general mean? Yes, stay with me. Just give me a few more minutes. The word general means all around, all inclusive, applicable to the whole, not limited in scope or application, sweeping and widespread. Let's break that down. Let's put the definition there. My, I have plans for you for all around, all inclusive, not limited in scope or application, sweeping and widespread health, happiness, well-being, and prosperity. I better say it again. I know the plans I have for you. They are plans of all-inclusive, all-around, applicable to the whole, not limited in scope or application, overall, sweeping, widespread health, happiness, well-being, and prosperity. Those are the plans God has for you. I better say it one more time. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for all-inclusive, all-around, applicable to the whole from your head to your toes, not limited in scope or application, overall sweeping, widespread health, happiness, well-being, and prosperity. The message says it like this, I know what I'm doing, put that up there, message, I know what I'm doing, I have it all planned out, you're sweeping widespread health, well-being and prosperity, I have it all planned out, plans to care for you, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for, amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for new vision. We thank you for clear vision. We thank you, Father, for seeing as you see by your Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for for new eyes. Hmm. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit minister here. New eyes. If you'd like new eyes, stand to your feet. New eyes. Worship team, come on up. New eyes. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness, who He is what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.